Luke 23. Luke 23. It's always a delight to be here. I've been preaching in as many places as I've preached, I still get stressed out over it. I don't know why. You'd think after a while you'd learned learn something about it, but <laughs> somebody said, Boy, so and so's gonna preach. I said, I hope he preaches. I hope I preach tonight. I really hope I preach. I can go through an outline. I can read the scriptures. But I hope by God's grace I preach. I preach. Look here with me then in Luke 23 and verse 33. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left, then said Jesus, Father, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots, and the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar. And saying, if thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. Save thyself. I want to get my subject out of verse 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Our Lord Jesus Christ, he was out in the Garden of Gethsemane praying. He knew his hour had come. He knew the time had come for them to come and get him. And as the scripture said, be led as a lamb to the slaughter. And he opened not his mouth. And a great crowd come to get him. And they come to get our Lord Jesus Christ. And they took him. And they took him to Pilate's hall. And as they got him to Pilate's hall, they put him on trial. They put him on trial. And they had some witnesses. And those witnesses were liars, false witnesses. They made up things about the Lord Jesus Christ. And those soldiers, they got together and they put a scarlet robe on him. And they put a crown of thorns on his head. And then they bowed down the knee and took him a a, a reed and held it up like it was this great scepter, you know. And they're going to bow to the king of the Jews. And then they took him from there after they had mistreated him and beat him and scorched him so badly. And he was bleeding, mistreated, and it was a cold night. And they had a fire, you know, going to keep the people's warm in Pilate's judgment hall. And then they took him from there to Pilate. And they took him to Pilate. And Pilate four times, if I'm not mistaken, said, I find he went out and made... Faced the crowd and said, I find no fault in this man. Let him go. No, 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 crucify him. 
I find no fault in this man. No, 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 crucify him. And that went on and on, and that finally Pilate, willing to content the people, let him out. Delivered Christ to them and let Barabbas go. And there hangs our Lord Jesus Christ. They went to this place called Calvary, and there they crucified him. Crucified him. He's nailed hand and foot to the tree. And as he's hanging there, they're deriding him. They're mocking him. They're making fun of him. And even the rulers of the people, not just anybody, the rulers of the people, people who were supposed to be somebody, the high priest and all the elders, they was all mocking him. And oh my, they said to him, oh, he saved others, but he can't save himself. If he's really the Christ, why don't he get down off this cross? And I'll tell you, there was three people, three types of people at the cross that night, and that afternoon, or excuse me, that morning. There was three kind of people there. There was the Jews who hated our Lord Jesus Christ. And they started taking counsel of our Lord Jesus Christ very early in his ministry and went with the Herodians how they might destroy him. Started very early how they might destroy him. And they enjoyed, they was the one that lied and enjoyed and delighted in his sufferings. They said, he's an imposter and we're not going to have this man reign over us. And then there were some Roman soldiers there. And they were there out of duty. That just happened to be the duty they had that day. To crucify people. To cast lots for their garments. And then there was five other people at the cross. There was four Marys, his mother, and John, the beloved disciple. So there was five believers at the cross. Five of them there. And our Lord talked to them. But all of these people there, they was all gathered around the cross. And oh, how them Jews and Jews and Romans delighted to see him suffer. He's been treated so cruelly. The high priest and Herod and Pilate and the Jews. And when our Lord would open his mouth, you would think the first word out of his mouth was, I'm going to curse every single one of you. I'm going to send all of you to hell. That's what I'm going to do. I've got the authority and I've got the power. I've got the right to send every one of you to hell. You'd think that's what he would say. But instead, he looked at that mob and looked at that crowd and said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. They know not what they do. What a blessed thing. Ain't you grateful? You know, our Lord Jesus Christ, Father, forgive them. What God will forgive them. Forgive them. You read tonight, there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. Father, forgive them. And you know, the, this is a prayer. The first saying of our Savior on the cross was a prayer. It was a prayer. And he's praying for his enemies. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And when I say he, for, he said, I pray for them, I think when he says, I pray for them, I think he's actually praying, said, I pray for them that you gave me. I'm praying for them that I loved with an everlasting love. I'm praying for them that I'm dying for right now. I'm praying for them 
that will believe on me through their word someday. I'm praying for them that as on the cross that ain't even been born yet, I'm dying and I'm praying for them. I'm praying for my people. I love my people. I love them. And I delight in them. And I rejoice in them. And oh, bless his holy name, I believe he prayed for me that day on that cross. And one day, God in his blessed mercy crossed my path with the gospel of the grace of God. And I, God, heard that. Father, forgive him. And you know our Lord Jesus Christ, there's three things about his prayer. His public ministry started with a prayer. When our Lord was being baptized of John, the scripture says that it, when he was being baptized, he prayed. And the heavens were open. You know, he can pray and the heavens will be open. <laughs> Two times the heavens was open when our Lord prayed. And he prayed. And the heavens were open. And a voice come out of them heavens. said, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved son. And the second thing is, and he's praying, he's praying for his enemies. You know, what kind of enemies were we of our Lord Jesus Christ before God saved us in his sovereign mercy? I was an enemy. Oh, I was an enemy. Oh, that's what kind of enemy I was. The things I said about him, the way I treated him, used his name in vain. But here he's praying for his enemies. And oh, this tells us, oh my, that nobody, nobody's past the reach of prayer. Nobody's beyond the reach of prayer. If you have somebody that you love, a child, a husband, a wife, grandchildren, take them to the Lord. We sang that old song, take it to the Lord in prayer. Take them to the Lord. We can't save them. And we don't care how much we witness to them. Only God can do the saving. And I tell you one thing that I do know this. That a man will never know what he is. And an enemy of God. Until he first sees Christ. Then he'll realize what he was. You don't see your sin and go to Christ. You see Christ. And that's when you see your sin. That's when you see your sin. So he's praying for his enemies. And the third thing about his prayer was. It's effectual. His prayers are effectual. You know the first person that was affected by the prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ when he prayed, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Was that thief hanging on his side. <laughs> the first person affected that his prayer was answered for was that thief right beside him. He said, Lord, remember me when you come to your kingdom. How in the world is he going to say, who's going to come to a kingdom? Here's a man who's beaten bloody. His body's emaciated. Blood's from his flowing from his head all the way to his feet. It's all over the place. Blood's everywhere. And he looks at that bloody man and said, Lord, when you come into your kingdom. <laughs> when our Lord prays for a man, mark it down. Something's going to happen. 
Oh, my. And like the centurion, look down here. I think it is in verse 47. Look what the centurion. You're talking about a prayer that affected a man. Look what he said here in verse 47, Luke 23. Now, when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, certainly this was a righteous man. God, oh, Lord, I tell you. And then, then on the day of Pentecost, 50 days later, after our Lord, our Lord appeared on earth 40 days, 10 days, on the day of Pentecost, Simon Peter preached, and 3,000 souls were added to Christ. And you know what he charged them with? He said, you, with your wicked hands, took the just one, and crucified him. And they smoked their breath, says, Men and brethren, what must we do? That was the prayer of Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ, for 3,000 souls. And I'd say almost every single one of them was at that cross that day. And oh my. And our Lord prayed for us. You know that before we ever existed. You go to John 17 and you read that prayer there. And our Lord Jesus Christ over there said, Father, I pray not for the world. I pray for them that you've given me. And he said, he said, I pray for them who are going to believe on me through these men's words. These men's words. And I've, what, that's what he says, you know, the gospel's in words. And oh, he said, I pray for them that these fellows are going to hear the word one of these days. And I'm, they're going to believe. And I pray for them. Pray for them. Let me tell you, when he said, Father, forgive them, this is the fulfillment of a prophecy. It's a fulfillment of a prophecy. Look with me over in Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. You know, I wish I could talk about the Lord and, and say things about him and, without this old flesh to deal with. Boy, these days I will. Oh, my. But look what he says down here in verse 12. And I want you to start about halfway through this verse. It says, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. What in the world does you mean to pour out his soul unto death? What in the world could that mean? What kind of agony? What kind of pain? What kind of suffering? Must our Lord been in that he says he poured out his soul. Have you ever, I know every one of you suffered some emotionally, spiritually, physically. And you yourself in your heart and soul felt like you're going to just, you just, you just hurt so much. And you pour out your heart and you pour out your soul to Christ. Well, that's what he did. He poured out his soul. I don't, have to, I, I don't know what that means, but whatever it is, he poured it out. And then look what he goes on to say. And he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. First, he is numbered with them. Where's all the transgressors? I'm one of them. Huh? He made intercession for them. Who? For the transgressors. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He was despised. Our Lord was despised. He was rejected of men. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. The scripture said he was wounded. He was bruised. He was chastised. 
And they led him as a lamb would to slaughter. And he loosely did not resist them at all. When they come to get him, he said, are you looking for Jesus and answers, I'm he. Oh. Ah. Ah, Lord Jesus Christ, come to get him. If somebody comes to get me, I'm going to struggle. I'm going to struggle. I'm going to struggle. But I, Lord, never struggled. You come to get me? Here, take me. Take me. And he knowed where he was going. Knowed what he's going to go through. Knowed what his sufferings was. Knowed how he'd be treated. Knowed how they'd spit on him. Know how they'd pluck out his beard. Know how they'd slap him. Know how they'd beat him. Know how they'd pat that crown of thorns. He knew ever Jesus knowing all things went forth. Oh, thank God he did. You know, when they said he saved others, no, you save yourself and save us too. If I, Lord, if he could have saved himself, he couldn't save us. And the reason why he went to do what he did, so he could save us. Oh, and I tell you, here's another thing. When our Lord said, Father, forgive them. God, Father, forgive them. We see here what God views and, and of, of the awful thing of sin and his guilt. You can't have sin without having guilt. You can't have sin without having punishment. And under the law of God, it's required that when you sin, you have to have an atonement. Whether it's a sin of ignorance or whether it's a sin of willfulness. Have any of y'all ever sinned unwillfully? <laughs> People say, boy, I tell, wouldn't willfully sin. Do you, how else do you sin? But anyway, under the law, God required an atonement for sins. And then there was the sins of commission, sins of omission. But there was a sin called the sins of ignorance. And you had to have, and that means that you didn't, if you didn't know, you had transgressed the law. Didn't know you had trespassed. Didn't know you had sinned. And wasn't conscious of it. Then you still, when somebody drawed it to your attention, you had to have a blood sacrifice. That's why David said, oh Lord, keep me back from my secret faults. Keep me back from my presumptuous sins. And I, I was asking Todd, and I asked this this morning. How do you define sin? Can anybody here define sin? What is it? What is it? How do you define it? I know it's black. I know it's against God. I know it's a transgression. I know it's a trespass. Sin is an awful thing. And God thought it was so awful that he laid it on his son. Took sin and made his son to be what, whatever it is. That's what God made Christ to be. I don't know what sin is. I know that that's what I am. I know I'm a sinner. There's no doubt about that. But how do you describe sin? How do you, what do you say about it? How can, how can, what? How can, how can we describe what it is? 
Oh, but here's the thing about it. Christ not only died for our sins of commission, our sins of omission, but all of our sins of ignorance. Ignorance, uh, ignorant before we knew him. Ignorant before we knew what righteousness. Ignorant before we knew what we were. Ignorant of the Bible. But how many sins do you reckon we commit in a day that we're not even conscious of? We're not even conscious of. We're not even aware of. Oh. You know, God, God, and here's the thing about a believer. He'll take the flame, blame and, and, and own up to what he is and what he's done. He'll never, if you find somebody trying to justify their sin, you find somebody that's blaming God for it. God for it. They may say my wife done it, but they're saying God done it. If you, if you ever try to justify your sin, you're blaming God. And God's the only one that can take away it. He's the only one to deal with. And God's, God's standards, high, high. How high is God's standard? How far, how high is God's standard? There's all these people, seven, eight foot tall, playing basketball. They can't reach it. Giants can't reach it. It's way up there. His holiness way up there. His righteousness way up there. His holiness way up there. Well, who in the world can go up there? How are we going to get as high as he is? How are we going to get as holy as he is? How are we going to get as righteous as he is? How are we going to get there? I can't go. I can't reach that high. Oh, but God met his standards. His blessed, blessed Glorious son. Our Lord Jesus Christ reached all the way to heaven. All the way to the holiness and righteousness. God Almighty could reach there and reach down here and get us at the same time. Oh, God didn't lower his standard. His son went up to it. His son met it. <laughs> no wonder he said, Father, forgive them. He said, Father, not me, Father. My Father in heaven, forgive them. My Father in glory, forgive them. My Father's holy, forgive them. My Father's righteous, forgive them. My Father, forgive him, forgive him. Oh, my. Here's another thing when he said, Oh, Lord, forgive him. They know not what to do. Here we see the blindness, hardness, cruelty, and meanness, and depravity of the human heart. Our Lord said, Father, forgive him. They know not what they do. They don't know what they do. Huh? Well, listen, they, they weren't ignorant. They weren't ignorant of the fact that of him being crucified. They knew that they'd crucified him. They knew, they cried out for him to be crucified. They were not ignorant 
of the fact of his crucifixion. And they's the one that kept crying, crucify him. Pilate was the one that gave him up to the, to the mob. And they see him nailed to that tree. And they stood there and they were eyewitnesses of this. But what do you think our Lord meant when they know not what they do? What do you think he meant? Well, I think he meant that they were ignorant of who it was that they crucified. The, the enormity of the crime that they committed. Paul said it like this. We speak the hidden, the wisdom of God, the hidden wisdom of God in a mystery. Which the princes, the princes, the mighty men, the powerful men, ruling men of this world knew not. For if had, had they, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Wouldn't have done it. Oh my. They were ignorant of the awful, awful sin of crucifying the Lord of glory. And I tell you what, they ought to have known. They ought to have known who they was crucified. All they had to do was listen to what he had to say. Listen to his words. Oh, was our words, our Lord's words was full of compassion and mercy and grace and kindness and forgiveness. And oh, what about what about the deeds that he done? Stilled storms and walked on the sea. And what about the works that he did? Healed lepers. Took a blind man who was born blind and gave him sight when he was an older man. Raised three people from the dead. You would think, surely, surely this man has to have some power with God. Surely, surely he knows God. Surely he's got some power and glory about him. Crucify him. Crucify him. We'll not have this man reign over us. And yet our Lord said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Mm. And I want you to see this. Another thing why he said, Father, forgive them. Look over in Matthew chapter 5. Look in Matthew chapter 5 with me. Look in verse 43. Our Lord, this is an example of what our Lord was teaching and what he said on the cross. He said, you have heard it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Father, forgive them. Huh? Bless them that curse you. Father, forgive them. Pray for them which despitefully use you. Father, forgive them. And which persecute you. Father, forgive them. Every one of those things, the way they treated him, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Oh, my. You're talking about grace. Grace. Truth that came by Lord Jesus Christ. He was truth personified. He was truth in this world. And we offend in every way possible, word, tongue, or deed. And yet, because he said, Father, forgive. That shows us that his love covers a multitude of sin. Covers a multitude of sin. Oh, my. And here's another reason why he prayed, Father, forgive him. 
And when we see that he prayed, Father, forgive him, we see man's greatest, greatest need. We're sinners. I don't know if you know that or not. I hope you understand that. I hope that you know that. Hope you know it in the depth of your heart and the depth of your soul. And men, men have noble ideas. A lot of folks have some noble, noble ideas. And they come along and they make some great, good resolutions. I told them this morning, I remember when I was, I guess about 20, 21, and been out of the Marines very long, and I was a mess. Oh, I was a mess. Didn't want to get up in the morning to face the day and didn't want to go to bed to face the night. And I said, well, I made me a resolution. I said, I'm going to go buy me a Bible. We lived on East 2nd Street in Dayton, Ohio, in a little old apartment. Paid $27 a week for it. And I went out on North Dixie Drive and I bought a Bible. A little old black Bible. I bought that Bible and I said, now I'm going to start reading the Bible and I'm going to start living right. I'm going to start living good. I'm going to really, really start. You know, I had a, had a daughter about three and a son about a year old. And I said, oh, I got that Bible. And I went over there and I started reading the Sermon on the Mount. I got through two chapters, closed it up. I said, there's no way in the world I can live like that. When you read the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst. Blessed are they that weep. Blessed are the poor in spirit. I had none of those things. And I had, you know, God let me know right then and there. I was wasting my time. I didn't know it at the time. But oh my, I made a good resolution. I made a rule for myself. I'm going to straighten up. I'm going to fly right. Oh my. And it was vain. It was just nothing but vanity. And then, oh my, bless his name, one day he crossed my path and he dealt with me of this issue of sin. S-I-N. I didn't know what it was until he made me know. Didn't have a clue what sin was. I didn't know I was self-righteous. I didn't know I was proud I didn't know I was a God-hater. I didn't know I was a Christ-denier. Didn't know any of those things. And oh, God, come along. And this question of sin, that I wanted to change myself and change my heart and change my way of living, all in vain. And God come along, and he settled that sin question for me. Oh, my. He settled them on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And oh, my. When we talk about sin, what good are shoes if your feet's paralyzed? What good are glasses if you're blind? What good are crutches if you, ain't got, if you, if you can't walk and can't move your legs at all? Oh, my. And I tell you, it doesn't matter who you are, don't matter where you're from, it don't matter who you know. Sin, 
sin is our nature. It's our nature. Sin, sin, sin. That's our name. And sin is before an infinitely holy God. And this is the question of the ages. This is the question of the ages. And your preachers answered it countless times over the years. And some of you could answer that so readily. How can God justly, a holy God, a righteous God, a law-ordering God, how in the world can a God, holy and righteous, justly, justly, forgive our sin? How can he do that? How could he take me? And how could he take you? And when you breathe, you're sinning. If your mouth's opening, you're saying something you ought not say. When you think, you think things you ought not think. When you go places, you go where places you ought not go. And we are sinned by nature. So how in the world are this, how can God justly, justly, and stay God Almighty, stay God, stay holy, stay way up yonder, and forgive us our sin? How can He do it? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And Paul said it this way, that through this man, through the Lord Jesus Christ, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, by him, you can be justified from everything that there ever was and everything that ever will be. You could be justified from all things. Oh, my. And to be justified the same as being righteous. Huh? Oh. Well, let me give you another one. He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And this says, then, said Jesus. I want to talk about the victory. The victory, the accomplishment of our Lord on the cross, of his redeeming love. Then, said Jesus. Father, forgive them. Then, when the vileness and the hatred of the human heart was on full display, then when man had done his absolute worst against the Lord Jesus Christ, then when wicked hands had crucified the Lord of glory, then he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He could have destroyed them. He could have poured his wrath on them. He could have caused the earth to open up and swallow them. But in yet still he was subjected to unspeakable shame, suffering, excruciating pain, despised, rejected. And after the way he was treated, he still said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And I am so thankful that he prayed that prayer. Oh, Simon Peter. He said, Simon. Oh, Simon felt good about himself. Simon. Simon. Satan sought to sift you as wheat. He said, but you know what? I prayed for you. <laughs> I prayed for you. Oh, you'd have failed. You'd have failed. You'd have slipped right off it. 
If I prayed for you, that your faith fail not. And you know why our faith doesn't fail? You know, I don't know about you, but I need Christ every moment of every day. I want to be kept by him. I can't keep myself. I need his strength. I don't have none of my own. And his redeeming love forgives all of our sins. A complete, perfect, full forgiveness of sins. You know, all my sins were future when Christ died on the cross. And when Christ brought me to himself, all my sins were present. And since I trusted Christ, all my sins are in the past. So my past is taken care of, my present is taken care of, and my future is sure. No wonder David said, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. In Colossians 3, 13, excuse me, yet 2, 13 says this, Having forgiven you all, A-L-L, trespasses. How many of you reckon that is? (laughs) Every one of us, every single one of us, You've got enough meanness and sin and corruption in us that if we spread it around to everybody else, we got enough to take this whole outfit to hell. Not counting what everybody else has done. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Oh, what a wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord. What a wonderful Savior to me. He holdeth me up, I shall not be moved. He taketh my burden away. He hideth my soul in the cleft of his rock. He hideth in the depths of his love and covers me, covers me there with his hand. Oh, what a wonderful saying. If you don't know him, Say, Lord, let me see you. Let me see you. Let me see you. Thank you.